New Right Network presents, right now, the featured podcast of New Right Network. Mobilizing, countering the left, energizing the right. New Right Network, home of the New Right Movement. We are interviewing Michael Bloomling Jr. Uh, Michael is a U.S. Army veteran. He holds a bachelor's from ECPI University, a master's certificate from UMass Dartmouth, a master's from Penn State University. He is the former owner of Power of One, and he has published uh, three books, Turning the Page, Overcoming Abuse to Reach uh, Life's Fulfillment with God, or uh, with, to reach life's fulfillment, uh, our journey heart to heart with God, and bridging the gap from soldier to civilian, a roadmap to success for veterans. How are you doing today, Michael? Great. Thank you so much, Mike, for having me on. I appreciate it. Uh, you know, with everything going on with coronavirus, a lot of people are turning to virtual interviews. So uh, it's nice to uh, have an interview to interact with the communities that we live in across America and help uh, you know, get our message across for conservatives who really believe in the Constitution of the United States of America. And that's what I stand for. And I want to fight like I did in the military for all of our brave men and women who served and their families as well. Well, you know, with NRN, we love to connect with conservatives all over the across the country, uh, especially ones who, you know, just are as as motivated as you. I wish, uh, you know, more people could have this type of a bio. <laughs> I just work hard. You know, I came from a vulnerable population. My father, um, when he got out of the military, I was actually born in Fort Benning, Georgia. Um, you know, he turned to drugs and alcohol. Uh, he was in Vietnam on the USS Kitty Hawk and uh, just had a very traumatic childhood. So I just realized in life, if you want something, you have to work hard for it. And so I think, you know, that really embodies the American dream. So, you know, trying to take that, go through adversity, share it with others. You know, that's what I try to base my life on. And that's also why I was running for Congress to help others in the community, because if, if we don't do that, you know, we're going to continue to see the things that are happening in this country right now. And we should be very alarmed because some of these things are very toxic to the Constitution and to the United States of America. Well, it's really great that you say that because, uh, you know, just today we had Joe Biden who came out and he endorsed the defund the police movement. And, uh, you know, a lot of conservatives have a lot of different things to say about that. What, uh, what's your take on it? Well, you know, defunding the police is you can't just, you know, go out and do that. I mean, you know, the, the bottom line is, is that, you know, there's always going to be circumstances where there's segregation or stereotypes or bias. I mean, you know, every time a, a member of the community that's engaged with the uh, authority, you know, whether it's a police officer, National Guard, something like that, um, you know, there's a mutual respect there. Um, but you still have to protect and serve the members in the community. When I was in the military, we served downrange. You know, we were protecting national interests, but we were also protecting international interests. You know, we had to protect, you know, our way of life. And that's the freedom. That's what's at war right now is freedom. So when you talk about defunding the police, you start to erode the Constitution and our constitutional value system 
and our rights. And that's really what the defund the police is about, is taking away constitutional rights so that you're trying to take the power from the government, which of course, we don't want the power of the government. You know, um, We want the people to have the power. That was the basis of the constitution, the power of the people, we the people, for the people, right? But when you defund the police, you take away law and order. You know, and yeah, you can argue that there's a lot of laws and, you know, a lot of these things are, um, you know, unconstitutional laws that are made. You know, we do have legislators at the state level, federal level, local level that have enacted laws that haven't in the be in, in the best interest of the citizens of this country. But when you talk about defunding the police, that's a terrible idea because then you take away law and order. Then you put it in the citizens hands. And, you know, I, I talked about a little bit before we had the interview about um the commercial that Donald Trump, our president, has put out about defunding the police. And when you try to call 911 and, you, you know, there's people from vulnerable populations already who are having a difficult getting services in their community. If you come from a vulnerable population versus, say, Beverly Hills or Palm Beach Island here in Florida, you know, different areas that are, you know, have high wealth and high concentration of wealth, you know, they're going to shut those areas down. But what about the middle class? What about the working class, the blue collar class, the white collar class, the people that, you know, are trying to keep the lights on on their mortgage and make sure, you know, their bills are paid. Those are the kind of people that rely on social services. And when you don't have a police officer to come to your house, then you start to take things in your own hand. And that's when I believe that anarchy starts to happen. And that's what I believe the left is going for. They really want to take away the constitution and gild that extra mile um, that's the extreme left. You know, you really have these, you know, you talk about the KKK, you talk about these Antifa, you talk about these extreme organizations and what they're capable of, but that's playing right into that hands. And also the, the hands of um, people that are terrorists and those are Islamic extremists. Now, not everybody who's uh, from an Arab nation is an extremist, but when you have these things, this, this is how this, actually this issue expands into an international issue because you have people in foreign countries and foreign powers like China, Russia, and Iran who want to take what's going on over there and indoctrinate that here in the United States. And this is just another building block defunding the police. No, I totally agree. You know, having served overseas myself, uh, I'm sure you'll remember uh, all of our training when we talked about what it was to, to help the population. The number one thing every single time was secure secure ourselves, provide security for the people. Uh, do you see that uh, as an interesting parallel to what we see? Well, absolutely. I mean, security is always of utmost importance. That's why your rights are so important. You should not infringe on our rights to bear arms, our freedom of speech. And you have seen over the years under uh, Bill Clinton, under Barack Obama, under George Bush, you start to see a lot of manipulation. And this is why I was running for Congress back to that subject, because in Washington, D.C., it's all about power and greed. It's not about the people, the working people. And that's where the problem is. But when you have an outsider like me who wants to stand up, who has an education, as you mentioned to all your listeners, I had a verified Twitter account. I actually closed it because, you know, I wasn't running for Congress before I got into politics about two years ago after running the veteran program for the state of Virginia and being part of a movement by the governor there, who it was a bipartisan effort by Governor McCullough to help create over 30,000 jobs for veterans. But in doing that, I came here and I wanted to do more in the community because I seen these gaps in funding and the abuse of power. And I wanted to do something about it. So that's when I started having a Twitter. I got my verified Twitter account and 
you know, but the powers to be, you know, it's like Joe Biden, you know, right now you haven't heard anything from him. You know, he's been kind of quiet during the coronavirus. So it's easy to attack President Trump when you have somebody that's been silent and who hasn't even, you know, been been uh, basically confronted with his issues. He is the problem. Joe Biden and these career politicians, they are the problem. But we need people in Washington and Congress and Senate who's going to fight for the American people and most importantly, the Constitution. Well, it's definitely good to hear you say that. You know, uh, today, uh, the uh, Supreme Court did have a major movement towards freedom. Uh, they upheld the Little Sisters of the Poor, and they're going to allow limitations on birth control. And with a lot of the freedoms that we're discussing, you know, religious freedom is a big one, and we're seeing the Supreme Court time and time again keep coming back and supporting religious freedom. Yeah, religious freedoms, I mean, really, if you look at coronavirus, that's really what I believe this is a battle for good versus evil, honestly. I mean, a lot of people look at it differently, but closing down churches, I mean, that's unheard of. If you're not safe at church, you know, I'm Judeo-Christian, I'm Catholic, I was raised Catholic, born Catholic my entire life. I've, I've, uh, I'm in the Knights of Columbus now, actually. But, you know, when you see your local churches closing down, and even now things are back open, but, you know, you can't have holy water, you know, you can't take part of, of your full faith. You know, I see that as a problem and I see that as taking away our rights. So, yes, we need the Supreme Court to stand up, but we need them to be strong. You know, President Trump has done a great job appointing judges and, and people into these positions, but they have to follow through now. You can't just get to that position. It's what you do when you're in that position that matters. Uh, you look at Brian Mass, for example, who's down here in Florida, who's rerunning. You know, he's a double amputee, great hero for America veteran. But he's, you know, partnering with Nancy Pelosi to go against, uh, you know, our Second Amendment rights. You know, we can't afford to have Ryan Mast and people like that in Congress because they're creating uh, problems for the people who actually stand for uh, our rights and our freedoms. That's uh, you hit on a lot of really great points there. So I, I appreciate your uh, your take on all of this uh, with uh, the Supreme Court. Where do you think uh, we will see more challenges or more wins uh, by the uh, Trump administration? Well, I, you know, first of all, he has to get reelected. And right now, you know, that has to be an emphasis on that. Um, he's, did, he's laid a great foundation, but there are, you know, people have to be accountable. One thing we learned in the military is accountability. Um, we're all human beings. No one's perfect, you know, you know, but you know, some of the things that are happening, we have to ask ourselves and we all have to hold ourselves accountable. And, you know, just like anybody else, President Trump can do a better job. Um, the way coronavirus was handled, you know, there's obviously a lot of things like having Dr. Fucci on his team, who, you know, we know the federal government has been giving money to the Wuhan lab. So these are the kind of things that are the checks and balances. Of course, the president can't control every moat, you know, every particular moment. That's why we got to really look to Congress and Senate. But when you're putting rhinos in there and those are Republican in name only, that's where we have the watered down product and that's how we have problems. But when you have the United States giving money to China and where that's the coronavirus was basically manipulated, whatever, you know, whatever vehicle they used to create the virus, you know, it got out. And now these problems going on, you know, people. But right now, if you look at the coronavirus and, and it's an important topic, it's not going away. Um, there's more testing right now. So that's why right now in Florida, for example, you're seeing a lot more positive tests 
because people have access to testing. And if you were exposed to it early on and you didn't get tested, it's just like the flu. I mean, some people are immune to it. You're going to build up antibodies to it. And then, you know, so those kind of things right now is like creating a hysteria. But they do that in the media through the fake news. And, you know, a lot of those things are brought against the tr uh, president. But, you know, I, I'm someone who, like I said, you have to be accountable. And that goes to Governor Ron DeSantis in Florida and the president. You know, you have to do things in a way that's going to be in the best interest of the people. And that's how I gauge political um, appointees and political uh, people who are voted into office. Now, with the Wuhan coronavirus, it did uh, come about while you were while your campaign was still active. Can you talk a little bit about what effect it had on your campaign and if did it have any involvement in your decision to suspend your campaign? Yeah, I mean, basically the last six weeks of my campaign is when coronavirus hit and that was the time. In Florida, we have an astronomical amount that we have to pay. It's $10,440 to, to be on the ballot. Now you look at Connecticut, it's like $12. I mean, there's a major disparity in a lot of these states, but it's meant that way. It's a barrier. You know, if it's uh, kind of discriminatory if you think about it, because it's only saying, well, if you can only be for money in Florida to run for Congress. If you don't have money, you basically aren't going to have a chance. And Congress wasn't designed that way. It's for the working class, for people to go in there and, and do something positive. And when you have that barrier, that affected me because the last six weeks of my six weeks of the campaign, I wasn't able to get the funds together to qualify. So I had to withdraw. Um, the funny thing about, you know, the dynamics of politics is, you know, it, it, of course, it's like anything in life, you have your favorites. Um, and you just have to, you know, you have to get into the areas where people believe in your message. And as a disabled veteran, as a veteran, you know, that resonates with a lot of people. So getting the message out there, like uh, programs like yourselves and, you know, Fox News, other stations, um, and doing interviews all over, going to CPAC, you know, getting involved with AmFest down in Florida. You know, there's an AmFest coming up in California and your neck of the woods coming up for the fall, I believe, as long as the coronavirus doesn't shut it down. Uh, Trump just started having rallies again. Um, you start to see these things start to happen. And that's what's going to drive the positive nature where somebody can hear your message. Because there's, nothing's more frustrating than going to the poll or doing an absentee ballot and you look on there and you don't know anybody. And that's the hardest thing is getting your name out there because everything now is, you know, everybody reads something in like five seconds. And if you don't get somebody's attention, it's gone. Or you have to pay an astronomical amount of money with TV ads. So, you know, politics is a dirty game and it's rooted around a lot of money that is financially based towards, you know, favorites. But with that being said, with the right people in your corner, you can make a difference. So I haven't given up hope to rewriting again in 2022 because I believe in my message. I believe in my platform. I believe in, in what I want to try to accomplish to help people. And that's what it's going to take. We need leaders in Congress who want to fight for the American people. Okay, so I think you just gave us an exclusive here. I just want to make sure that it, we're clear on this. You do intend to run for political office again. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm 42 years old. I'm still young. I have a lot of, uh, you know, fire in the belly, so to speak, as we say in the military, to go out there to shoot, move, and communicate. But really, you know, we have to, you, you, that's what happens. That's what makes a leader. You know, what happens in the face of adversity? Um, I raised over $25,000 during my campaigning. Uh, I started my campaign last uh, June was my kickoff. So I, I campaigned for about almost a year, raised about $25,000, um, you know, didn't get to qualify, but I learned a lot. And that's something that I can use on the next go round. And I still have my voice. I still have my messaging and I still have my morals and values. 
And that's the most important thing because, you know, that's what people want to see. They want to see somebody that's going to fight for them and their families. Cause at the end of the day, you know, for one of the things like Donald Trump, he wanted to have, you know, his name on the check for the coronavirus check, the $1,200 for the people. I guarantee you when people got that check for the $1,200, they weren't worried about if the president's name was on there. You know, we got to do what's right for the people and we got to stand up for them. And I think your listeners will respect that. You know, we don't always have to agree whether it's defunding the police or constitutional values, what we believe in, it's okay to defer. But through social media now, we've really seen this liberal agenda where if you have an opinion, everybody comes out against you. If you're not this kind of person, then you're, you're, you know, you're a hater, you're a racist. I mean, President Trump has been called a racist numerous times. And I mean, it's just uncalled for. But, you know, we do have to fight for those community issues, human trafficking, drug problems, you know, the opioid addiction, uh, homelessness in our communities of veterans taking care of our veterans rights and veteran health care. You know, these are the issues that we really need to be focused on. But when you throw in coronavirus, you throw in these other issues, you can't focus on really what's the pain points for the American people. No, absolutely. That's all good things. And I'm going to shift gears a little bit, and I want to talk about someone else who's uh, announced that they're running for public office. Uh, Kanye West uh, came out this weekend and said he's going to run for president. Today, he came out and said he no longer supports uh, President Trump. Uh, What are your thoughts on his campaign, his announcement, and do uh, do you see anything significant about that? You know, I find that very interesting. Um, and also Charlie Daniels died uh, a few days ago and he's done a lot for veterans. So we want to plug that definitely. Charlie Daniels has done amazing things for veterans Absolutely. and been very charitable. Um, those are the kind of people that, you know, we need to talk about more in the news, but instead we're talking about Kanye West, you know, who is a very talented artist, but the bottom of the line is, you know, we need people in, in Congress with experience. You know, you look at um, uh, AOC, you know, she, she doesn't have any experience. I mean, what is she, what platform is she, what, what, what has she done in the community? You know, these are the kind of people that are being forced into positions because they're getting backed because of this, this agenda, a uh, new world order, so to speak. You know, you see a lot of things out here with QAnon, you see a lot of conspiracy theories going on, but I'm all about the truth. So if something aligns with the truth, I think we need to focus on that. That's that's really good to hear. Uh, I do also want to talk about President Trump. You said you alluded to a little bit uh, that you do have some areas where you don't agree with the president. Uh, can you talk about what are the areas you don't agree with him and what areas do you absolutely agree with him? Well, I mean, you know, the president, I believe he does the best job that he can. That's all you can ask of somebody. Um, but I've seen a lot of people being in the political arena, being around a lot of people running for Congress, people in Congress, and you see a lot of these rhinos and you see some endorsements that happen out there that really makes you question, you know, yes, we want Republicans in office, but we don't need the wrong Republicans in office. We need the right Republicans in office. And that's where, you know, the issue is. And nowadays you can't run as an independent. Nobody's going to get in. I mean, the best chance was Ross Perot. And, you know, you see what happens. Bernie Sanders is a perfect example. Way better candidate than Joe Biden. Joe Biden got kids touching him in the pool. You know, those kind of stories get swept under the rug. I mean, it's, it's really disturbing, you know, some of the things that happen. I mean, but, you know, people, we're people. We're human beings. We have a lot of errors and faults, you know. But the president, you know, definitely, you know, the endorsements of some people that, you know, character questions that, you know, like Laura Loomer. She's one of the people I'm running against. And, and Mar-a-Lago is actually in the district, District 21 in Florida, that I was running it. 
And, you know, a lot of rumors are coming out, you know, they want to endorse Laura Loomer and she's getting a lot of backing, but the community, they're not going to be fired up about a Laura Loomer. Now you have somebody who served in the military like myself, of course, people are going to rally around that. So at the end of the day, when you go to the voting, voting box, that's when you need somebody that's going to, you know, get people excited to overcome a D plus, you know, uh, nine, 10, 12, whatever the, the, the demographic is. I mean, it's a high number. Lois Frankel, who's in district 21, it's going to take, she got 63% of the vote. I mean, she's been running away with the votes down in district 21 and this is Trump's backyard. So I understand how, you know, Laura Loomer, she has a loud voice. A lot of people resonate with that. They like that, but uh, the voters, they're not going to relate to that. They're not going to see that they're going to see another AOC on the right. And I don't think that we need another AOC in Congress. We need somebody like an Alan West, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West, who actually did was when they redistrict, he was down here in Congress, but he lost his second uh, term, but he's in Texas now. We need people of statute and character. And that's really what it takes for Congress and to have success because right now, you know, the polling's coming out and a lot of people are worried because nothing's a shoe in right now. And the left is going really hard and the way they're taking down the monuments and the way that they're trying to erase history is a real concern. Absolutely. Uh, one thing I do want to talk with you about because you are a veteran uh, and because in your civilian life, you've had a lot of, a lot of interaction with the Veterans Affairs Administration. In fact, your one book talking about transitioning is definitely key for veterans. Uh, what problems do you see with the Veterans Affairs Administration? And it, when you do get into public office, what would you like to see changed? Well, the main thing with the VA hospital is the overwhelming number of veterans that are coming back from the global war on terrorism, just like the war in Vietnam. They can't hold that capacity. We do have the Mission Act, but it's not being uh, enacted correctly. So people aren't actually being able to utilize the benefit of going outside the VA when they're not getting it within 20 days, being seen by a provider within the VA. And also with coronavirus, this is being elongated at every chance. A lot of veterans are being harmed. Let's put it that way. And so the best thing you can do is just, honestly, the VA needs to have specialized care. We need the veterans to be able to go out into the community, go to their providers and see any doctor they want. They should not have to go to the VA for their services. And, and the main problem with the VA is empathy. When you talk to people there, a lot of them are vets. You know, you hear them there sometimes, you know, and, and a lot of them are appreciative, but some are like, well, I served, you know, what makes you special? And it's like every veteran deserves fair and equal treatment. And that's the main thing that I believe is lacking at the VA hospital and the VA healthcare system is that empathy. We're like, you know what, I'm going to go the extra mile for you. And I don't see that. There's a lot of balls dropped, a lot of, you know, things fall through the cracks. And then that's when you see the suicide rates. You know, think, if a veteran serves this country, they come back to the community, they have a hard time getting a job. There's no jobs right now with coronavirus for a lot of veterans limited aid, you know, a million pieces of paperwork they have to fill out to get help. Uh, a lot of places, they don't even have, you know, veteran services in their community in rural areas, other areas. And they start to feel like, you know, their life doesn't matter. And then they turn to alternate solutions. Um, you and I had talked before, you know, you have a service dog. I recently got a service dog. Um, not every veteran can buy a dog or, or get a trained dog to, to become a service dog to help them as a disabled veteran. And those are the kind of things we have to advocate. We have to advocate for, um, you know, uh, equestrian therapy, like therapy for horses with, with veterans that, that give veterans a sense of peace and calm. 
Uh, because a lot of times when you come back to a society, society, especially with fake news, you see a lot of negativity on TV. You see a lot of negativity. You know, they wanted to fund the police. You're a veteran. You know, you know, you have to protect yourself. You're trained to protect yourself, you know. And then also you have red flag laws. I mean, this is another problem. Red flag laws. Oh, he's a veteran. He has a gun. So you defund the police. Then you have a red flag law that says, hey, he's a veteran. So then they want to come to my house and take my Glock 45. It doesn't make sense, but that's really what veterans can face. So we got to be aware of that. And those red flag laws, we really have to be pay attention to. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, I've talked with many people about my uh, mental PTSD condition and getting a service dog. And I'll tell you, I don't know your experience. Mine has been life-changing, just being able to do things day to day. But there is a lot of things that the public does not understand about it. And also a lot of veterans. Uh, there's veterans I talked to, I was talking to one up in Virginia the other day who just did not want to make a claim. And I was like, no, no, you have to understand, you earned this. You earned the VA helping you. Uh, do you run into those uh, issues? The main thing, I, I always want to advocate for our brothers and sisters. You know, I was mechanized infantry. I was a non-commissioned officer in the 1st Infantry Division. So I know the sacrifice. And when I came back, I was Sergeant Bloomling, you know, I was high speed, low drag. But I realized it's not just about that. It's really about looking and taking care of your brothers and sisters and their family members. And I believe that we have to do a way better job to do that. So, you know, I, I take my experiences to try to help other people. Um, it's difficult, though. It's a money grab. A veteran's a dollar side, whether it's the GI Bill, VA benefits, health care. It's a money grab. And the veterans are caught in the middle of that instead of taking care of their well-being. And I think that's, if we have more compassion for veterans and making sure their needs are met, I think that helps society. It gets veterans into the workplace, uh, get reasonable accommodations. You know, we need more veteran business owners. You know, running for Congress, I would strongly advocate for funding so that small business owners who are veteran entrepreneurs can go out and start businesses. You know, I graduated through the Entrepreneur Bootcamp uh, Program for Veterans through Florida State University that was started out at Syracuse University by Mike Haney, uh, Dr. Mike Haney. And uh, Dr. Blass is the one who runs the program down here at Florida State University in Florida. Um, these are great programs. There's a lot of entrepreneurial programs for veterans, but we need the funding for them. You know, it's great to have an idea. It's great to have a business plan, but we need that funding, that entryway. And once we do that, we can get more veterans employed, we can get more taxes paid, and we can stimulate the economy, and we can hire more veterans and help more families, and, that, and the ball just rolls downhill from there. Oh, no, that's, that's excellent. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and start wrapping things up. I do want to say to you, you know, thank you for your service. Uh, as a veteran myself, I also want to thank you for being worth, uh, worth serving. Uh, and uh, I'd like to give you this opportunity. If you want to talk about uh, plugging in your books or social media or whatever, uh, please go ahead as we wrap up here. No, I appreciate that. Um, you know, once I got out of the campaign, I kind of scaled my social media down. You know, there's a lot of negativity, a lot of hate out there. You know, I like to live a life of peace. Uh, but of course, you know, being in the political arena, it is vital. So, you know what you're getting yourself into. I'm actually uh, going out to get my real estate license. I want to help veterans now um, until I run again for office and probably in 2022. I want to help veterans get home loans. I want them to help them to become homeowners. So uh, just, you know, anyway, if you're a veteran in Florida, you want to buy a house, uh, try to look me up. Uh, I am on Instagram, uh, Sergeant Bloomling. 
Um, and besides that, you know, uh, you can Google my books through Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, all the major sites, Michael Blooming Jr. So I appreciate the support. God bless America. God bless our veterans and God bless our families. And also, uh, let's, let's fight to uphold our constitution because if we don't have freedom, we'll just be like North Korea, China, all these places that are, you know, are forced into slavery, basically. I mean, you don't want to be somewhere that's a communist nation because it's not in the best interest of you and your family. Oh, no, absolutely. Uh, well, again, thank you for uh, doing this with us today. And, uh, you know, we would love to have you back. Yeah, thank you. Anytime. Just give me a ring and uh, we'd love to do it. Thank you very much. Thanks, Mike. Thank you and God bless. Thank you. You've been listening to New Right Network, mobilizing, countering, energizing. Online at newrightnetwork.com.